الحمد لله الحمد لله خالق الوجود من العدم وجاعل النور من الظلم ومخرج الصبر من الألم فملق التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم بالشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجم فالحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم قالوا أجئتنا بالحق أم أنت من اللاعبين قال بل ربكم رب السماوات والأرض الذي فطرهن وأنا على ذلك من الشاهدين وتالله لأكيدن أصنامكم بعد أن تولوا مدبرين رب شحلي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله واللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا صالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين I'll continue my uh, discussions with you about Ibrahim السلام this week and uh, just to quickly remind you that the last thing we discussed in some detail is him questioning first of all where their religious practices come from and he simply posed a question that they didn't have a satisfying answer to. So they tried to make it sound like questioning that would be questioning his own heritage, questioning his identity. And when he simply called them out for them and the ancestry itself being confused, they tried to make it sound like basically an under, undercurrent of a threat. So they said to him, are you serious? Did you actually say that? Are you... Are you bringing us the you dare to bring us the truth or you're just kidding right and we talked about that how they tried to put that pressure on him and so this week we're going to look at his response and the first thing about that response is he didn't come out and make his claim to what he believes in the beginning of this conversation he started the conversation with a question and he started a conversation with what is not making sense to him so the idea of truth is not i believe this and therefore you are wrong. That wasn't his journey. I believe this and therefore you're wrong. It's actually, I've been raised to believe what, you have, what you've given me and I'm not convinced of it. So I sought out the truth and here's what the truth is. You see like even in our Shahada, there's a negation first, right? La ilaha and then illallah, right? So the, the idea of that being, behind that being that doesn't matter what culture, what society you and I were raised in, what religion you may have been brought up in, you discovered that there's something missing in the concept of God. Or the gods that you were introduced to aren't gods at all. And I don't just mean gods as in some people believe in mythology or some people believe in a trinity or idols or 
whatever isms. Not just that. It, it, somebody's God could be their, just science. Somebody else's God could just be themselves. But whatever gods somebody was raised with, the ultimate ideal that somebody was raised with, when someone truly ponders the Qur'an's argument is they discover that they are not worthy of that place at all. And only Allah is. So he's first questioning, why do you people put these idols and the stories behind them, why do you put them on this pedestal? I can't seem to understand the justification for it. And then only after expressing why he can't be convinced of that, that then he comes to his own claim, which is what? Now his response, Qala barrabbukum. So he's going to respond to them and say, barrabbukum rabbu samawati wal ard. Your master, all of you, is the master of the skies and the earth. الَّذِي فَطَرَهُنَّ who fashioned and created them out of nothing, all of them, the skies and the earth. وَأَنَا عَلَى ذَلِكُمْ مِنَ الشَّهِدِينَ And I am witness over that reality against all of you. So in that statement, there's a few things. First thing to note is the word بَلْ which is حَرْفِ إِبْطَالِ and إِطْرَابِ There's different ways it's been described in Arabic. What that does is they gave two options, right? Are you seriously bringing us the truth or are you joking? But they put a lot of stress on are you joking? You must be... The kinds of kids that just joke around. Anta min al-la'ibin. The jumla ismiya was used, stress was placed on it. And he understands what that's what they're pressuring him to try to say. So he says, no, in fact. So that no, that ibtal from him, that bal, is actually saying, you want me to say that I'm just kidding and dismiss this. I'm going to start by saying no. So he first rejects that pressure. Openly rejects that pressure. And then he responds. And he says, the master of all of you is the master of the skies and the earth. Now this is the first time he's talking about Allah. And he's openly talking about Allah now. And this statement of his is actually as offensive as crushing all the idols. And breaking all the idols. Because this is breaking the idols in their minds. Even if the idol stands in the temple, the idol's broken in the mind when you come out and say, there is no other Rabb than and the rub of all of you is the rub of all of the skies and all of the earth. In other words, there is no separate God for the earth, separate God for some of you, separate God for someone else, separate master, separate nurturer. Someone else takes care of the sky and someone else takes care of the earth. It is one single rub. Rabbu samawati wal ard. Rabbukum rabbu samawati wal ard. And then he goes further and says, Well, alladhi fatarahunna, the one who molded and created all of them all together. In other words, He's calling on, it's a very subtle and beautiful thing that he just said. He, you know, futur also means to come, to, to, like hal tarab in futur is used in Surah Al-Mulk, right? To see any crack or any opening. When you are creating something new, then there's a lot of breaking and molding and that sort of thing involved, right? And that's kind of the implicit meaning inside the word fatara. It's, a, it's an incredible usage because the idols that they have made, they broke pieces of wood to make them. They broke pieces of marble and stone to make them, right? And he says, speaking of making, the maker of all of this is your Rabb. And the irony of it is, the gods you want me to worship, you made them. They didn't make you, you made them. You are their Fatir, I'm calling on your Fatir. You see? So it's a really beautiful phrase that he used, الَّذِي فَطَرَهُنَّ The one who molded this, and speaking, because you guys know some things about manufacture clearly. Your, your, your uh, tr tradition has taught you how to manufacture things, in this case idols. Well, speaking of manufacture, let me introduce you to the one who manufactured you, the skies and the earth altogether. 
And I, and then he, he could have just stopped there. But he wants to let them know that he's not joking. And he wants to let them know that it, at this point, he is not going to back down. And in fact, he is ready for now just, not just to ask an innocent question like he started. He's not just interested in have food for thought. Because they're coming after him and putting pressure on him and want him to cave a little bit, he's going to double down and he's going to actually go on the offensive now. He's not going to back away and say, you know what, I don't want to talk to these people. No, 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 no. He's actually going on the offensive. And what does that mean? He says, وَأَنَا عَلَى ذَلِكُمْ الشَّاهِدِينَ And I, when it comes to that truth, all of you, is a witness against all of you. I stand as a witness against all of you over that truth. Meaning, basically, I challenge any of you to question what I'm saying. I just questioned you, and you tried to put me in my place. You know what? My turn. Now I question you, and let's see if you can put me in my place. Yeah, let's, let's see if you can back down, you know, uh, answer me in a way that puts me in my place. I challenge you. So he's turning that around. He's not afraid to challenge. That's a very bold thing for a young man to do. And he's taken that really bold step of speaking up. So the thing that I want to highlight before we, we go any further is that Ibrahim السلام, has now spoken up. And in, when I was doing the series, the previous series before this one on Luqman, we talked about وَأْمُرْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَنْهَا عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ in, you know, command the good and stop against, stand against the evil. Speak out for the truth. Speak out for the good thing. Because speaking out itself is a really hard thing to do. And he's done it. He stood up and said it. You know, it's not as convenient as me standing here in a masjid environment, you know, and, and giving a talk. Because there's no hostility. I could talk about these ayat and there's no hostility towards me. In what I'm, but if I said the same thing, and imagine that I had family or friends, everybody surrounding me was worshipping idols or they had a different religion. I can't talk about Ibrahim like this. It would be awkward at the party. You know, they're all going to get offended. And look at what he's doing. He's standing up for what he believes and what he sees as a gross evil against Allah himself. Shirk. Standing up against it to, to help those he loves. And when they think he's in the wrong, he's going to double down and say, no, I love you, but you're in the wrong. You're absolutely no. And I am witness against you when it comes to this wrong. Now, they still apparently don't take him seriously. So the next ayat where things get really interesting can be looked at in two ways. One way to look at them is that they walked away from him dismissing him because that's one way to dismiss the truth is not to engage it at all. You could just say whatever and walk away, right? And then... It's like the person who's speaking the truth is just left, you know. What they did with the Prophet ﷺ is they called him insane and they scolded him and kind of dismissed and walked away. Or with Nuh thiyabahum, right? Um, they put their fingers in their ears and they pulled their clothes away from him like he's something disgusting. That's what they did with Nuh So the idea behind that being Sometimes you want to say something and a person doesn't have to uh, uh, refute you by debating you. They don't have to refute you by argument. They don't have to refute you by threatening you. They can just nullify everything you have to say by simply walking away and ignoring you. They can just ignore you and not even deal with it. So it seems one way of reading this passage, what's coming next is, they just walked away from it. Like, you know, leave this crazy kid alone. Just let's forget about him. So they're walking away. And he's angry that they're walking away. So he knows he needs to take a, he needs to see them engaged. Like he knows how, how terrible shirk is 
and how what destruction it's going to bring on them. And he wants them to wake up. So he, in this moment, needs to take a more drastic measure. Ibrahim salam is going to take a more drastic measure. So one reading of this next ayah is, he said what he's about to say to himself. He's, he spoke to himself. Now that's not a normal thing to do, speaking to yourself. In most circumstances, we don't speak to ourselves. When I used to live in New York and you saw somebody speaking to yourself, you cross the street and walk the other way. Because uh, you don't know what they're capable of. So the, the idea of speaking to yourself is not a natural thing. However, those of you that are college students and you have an exam and you have three chapters to review and there's only you know two hours left, you're sitting there going, think. Study. What's wrong with you? And you're having conversations with yourself. I've seen those conversations happen in libraries and university all the time. People do talk to themselves at certain occasions. There are moments where you're driving in the car by yourself, you're lost in thought, and the thought is so moving to you that out of, all of a sudden you verbalize it. Nobody's around, you're still saying something. You, you speak to yourself. So speaking to yourself happens in emotionally, you know, uh, impactful situations. It's not a normal thing to do. It's a, it's, a, it's a heightened emotional state when someone speaks to themselves. And it can mean any number of things from the Arab linguist point of view, from the scholars of Balagha point of view. They argue that when somebody is speaking to themselves and they are stressing their speech as if they are convincing some... Because the more you... I've talked about this before. The more stress you put in, put in a statement, the more you're trying to convince somebody. So listen to these words now. See, let's see if I can get across to you what I'm trying to get across to you. I swear by Allah. Oh, I swear. I swear to it that I will make a scheme. I have a plan. Oh, I do. You bet I do. I have a plan for your idols after you turn your backs. After you turn your backs and walk away, I swear I've got a plan. I swear, I swear. Now, the stressors in here, first of all, the Arabs say, Wallahi. When they swear by something, they say, Wallahi. But if the oath is very serious, and they mean it, and it's a life and death kind of intense oath, or their rage is out, you know, over the meter, then they don't say, Wallahi, they say, Tallahi. They say, Tallahi. Tallahi is not commonly used, and you shouldn't use it commonly. But Tallahi is a very powerful form of Wallahi. So Wallahi can be used... You know, بِاللَّغْوِ فِي أَيْمَانِكُمْ Quran says casually you can use it. Because somebody can say, Wallahi, I want to go get some ice cream. They could do that and get away with it, no problem. But Tallahi, no. So well, first of all, he's already taking a, a pretty massive oath. And then he says, I, he, the, the lam is considered either Jawabul Qasam or Qasam itself. La akidanna. And there's two noons at the end of akidanna. Akidanna. Actually, the fi'il mudari' the present tense is akidu. Akidu, I scheme. The lam is to stress it more, and the two noons at the end are to double stress it more. So there are four stressors on this one statement. One, the oath, which is already uh, would have been stressful anyway with wallahi, but it's taken a step further with tallahi, then the lam, then the two noons at the end. So tallahi la akidanna asnamakum. So when he does this, again, if the interpretation is he's talking to himself, why would you have to speak with such emphatic words to yourself? You can just talk to yourself normally. You know, who are you trying to convince? Yourself? Yeah, actually sometimes you are. You know, إِنَّ مْرَأً سَارَ خَمْسِينَ سَنَةً إِلَى مَنْهَلٍ مِنْ وَدٍ لَقَرِيبٌ Something like this the poet says. 
He says that the, a poet uh, describes his struggle 50 years of reaching some goal and he couldn't reach it. And if you're trying to get somewhere and get somewhere and get somewhere and you're just not able to get there, you start losing hope, right? So it's like someone who, the, the imagery in the poem is about somebody trying to reach this well, this water, watershed. And he's been walking 50 years to get to the watershed and he just can't see it. So it's, at some point you're just going to start losing hope. So he makes a poem talking to himself with so much emphasis. He says, there's no doubt about it. A person who's been walking 50 years to get to a watershed must be close. He has to be close. You know, why is he saying he has to be close? He's basically telling himself just a little more. You got this, right? The point being, the reason I give that example is when you stress something, something so much, when you emphasize something so much, you're convincing yourself because it's getting hard for you. What you're about to do is very hard and you're, you're losing energy to do it. Or in this case, it's terrifying to do it. The plan Ibrahim السلام, has, he knows can get him and will get him killed. That's, that's known. This is, a, this is the sacred temple. You don't mess with it. And we all know his plan. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Those of the, you know, the Arabs, it would have been so exciting to live in the time of the Prophet because when these ayat were recited, many Sahaba didn't know what his plan was, right? Like we know, we learn from childhood, when they're learning these ayat, they're hearing about Ibrahim saying, I swear to God, I have a scheme that I will execute against your idols. And the stress that he's speaking of, even if he's speaking under his breath, is to actually toughen himself up. So this was what I wanted to highlight on one side of this interpretation, which is, on the one hand, he had to be bold with the people he was talking to. Just because you, you're bold on the outside doesn't mean you're not terrified on the inside. It's not an easy thing to do. We're still, we're believers, we fear Allah, but that does not mean you don't fear society, or you, it doesn't make you anxious, or nervous, or scary. It is scary. It is nerve-wracking. It is difficult. We don't become superhuman because we're believers. Look, even I, I often talk about Musa a.s. He comes in front of Allah, and Allah tells him to go talk to Fir'aun, and he basically said he's scared. I'm scared that they're going to call me a liar. I'm scared that they're going to kill me. Fear is a natural thing. But he overcame that fear inside of him to speak up. But speaking up was scary enough, and he overcame that. But what he's about to do is way scarier. If that, he got away with that, barely by a hairline he got away with speaking up, right? They dismissed him, they could have done worse. But what he's about to do now, they will not dismiss. They won't just walk away from that. And he knows it. So he first reassures himself, strengthens himself, speaks to himself within. And this in itself highlights in the Qur'an the importance of what you know, psychiatrists nowadays call self-talk. Right? You have, you, I have to speak to myself. And sometimes I need a pep talk from myself. I need to reassure myself. I need to tell myself, what is wrong with you? Get your act together. You got this. You know? So those of you that work out, etc., you'll see people in the gym. You got this, and there's nobody around. <laughs> and they're talking to themselves. <laughs> there's also a spiritual pep talk. There's a, there's a, it's an important thing to have this, uh, this honesty with oneself. And so he does this, other scholars hold the view that this happened and there's an ambiguity which means maybe it happened multiple times once he said this to himself but maybe even he said it loud enough that some people heard it and they're like 
What's he gonna do? Oh, <laughs> this kid's gonna scheme? <laughs> yeah, he's crazy. So they're dismissing, but they heard it, right? Now, فَجَعَلَهُمْ جُذَاذًا إِلَّا كَبِيرًا لَهُمْ So he, he, he turned them into smash small bits. So he didn't just crack them or break them. Judath is like, you know, shattered glass with little, little pieces. That's what he turned the idols into. It's like an impossible Legos project to put back together. That's what, it, if it's like one crack, you can maybe, it's two pieces, you could try to put it back together. This is not one of those situations. He went to, this did not, this was not one swing. <laughs> what he did was pretty violent. And he went after it. He wrecked these idols. Except the big one. Illa kabiruhum. Illa kabirun lahum. Except the, a big one that they had. So the larger idol, because they're multiple idols, the larger one he left alone. So that they can come back to him. Like, all of the, so they come back, there's like 20, 30 idols, all of them are smashed, and the big one now stands even more prominent, right? So they come to him and by the way, they come seeking these gods. What do they seek from these gods? Answers, right? Will I have a baby? Am I going to marry this person? Is this year going to be good? Is my crop going to be good? Isn't that what they come and ask? Tell me about my future. Help me solve this problem. Please kill my uncle, etc., etc. That's what they come and do in front of their idols. So whenever they have a question in life that's bothering them, they come to the temple. So what did Ibrahim do? Ibrahim created a situation where they've got a big problem. They've got a huge Somebody destroyed our temple. And they need to turn to their divinities to ask, but all the divinities are dead. The only one left is the big one. So what should they actually do? Given that's what they do all the time. They should go to the big one and say, uh, you know, giant piece of wood. What? Who did this to, to your cousins? They should go and ask the big one. So he created this environment in which they were supposed to resort to their already established religious teaching to go and ask the answer. So they said, they didn't ask the idol. They just stood around. Who did this to our gods? Who did this to our gods? Now, who did this to our gods? The question can have different tones. One could be, you're so hurt and shocked. Who could do this? And you know, tears are rolling down your eyes. And the other is, who did this? Like your mother does when she sees a mess in the kitchen. And she asks the question, she doesn't say, who did this? No, no, no. There's, man fa'ala hadha. Excuse me, whose cup is this? Right? When, when you ask that question, you know what? Somebody's going to die. Right? So, <laughs> the, sometimes the question has a threat in it. What does it mean? When I find the answer to this question, there will be a janazah. That's, that's what that means. Right? So, man fa'ala hadha bi'ali. Who did this to our gods? It actually means when we find out, we're going to take care of this. Oh, he's going he's gonna to find out how we do. Because we protect our gods. Which, you hear the irony in that emotion? How dare you hurt our gods? But wait, the whole reason you had gods is that they keep you from getting hurt. I thought the whole relationship is the gods protect 
you. And here you are saying, oh my God, our job is to protect our gods. <laughs> so the foundations of what, is, what makes the religion wrong, what makes it wrong, is being highlighted before the debate even happens, before the answer even comes. In their feelings, the, the view that they held is being demolished. Just in, the, in what they felt, what they genuinely felt. And they genuinely felt they cannot turn to that God for the answer. They genuinely felt that these gods couldn't protect themselves. They, how can, if they can't protect themselves, how will they protect you? If they can't take care of themselves, how will they take care of you? <laughs> and you have to bring offerings, you know, because they sat in front of them and they made offerings and things like that. You have to apparently feed them. They are in need of your offerings. You're feeding them and you think they're going to feed you? This is your mentality? This is what Ibrahim, Ibrahim wasn't able to get through to them by speaking. So now he's getting through to them by this shocking experiment. By the way, on a side, on the side note, I will say that this approach to teaching a lesson was not done by any other prophet. To, to teach the Makkans that idols don't make sense, the Prophet who is this descendant of who? Ibrahim and he's not, Ibrahim broke idols in a temple. And if there's one place that has, deserves idols to be smashed, it's what? It's, it's Makkah. And the Prophet called out that there's only one God, and they wouldn't listen to him. But the Prophet did not go and break idols, did he? For the entire period in Makkah, did he break any idols? No. It's not like Ibrahim has a massive army with him, and he comes and he conquers the city, and then he destroys the, That's not what's happening here. That isn't what's happening here. So what's happening here is Ibrahim السلام, has been given license. He has been given uh, the uh, permission from Allah to make arguments in a way that no other prophet was given. Just like Ibrahim السلام, was tested in ways like no other prophet was tested. This is why even this is why language of the Quran is important. Those are the ways of making an argument that we had especially granted to Ibrahim So you cannot compare Ibrahim way of making da'wah, specific things that he did. We can learn lessons from it, but we can't say, well today, if I want to teach my Hindu friends the truth about Islam, first I will say, And if that doesn't work, this weekend, when they go for their festival, I have a baseball bat I've been trying to test out. That's not how that works. And the Qur'an makes that actually clear. And the Prophet's entire seerah makes that clear. His seerah itself makes that clear. But anyway, so he, you know, he smashed these idols. They come back and say, who, who dared do this? But then they add something. And this is what we'll conclude today's khutbah with. إِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Oh, whoever he is, there's no doubt about it. He is from the, he is the criminal kind. He's from those that are, he's, there's no way he did something right. Now, إِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ is again a very emphatic statement. It can be read it in two ways. If they came in crying, then if they came in crying, when human beings are in a state of despair, then they turn to the higher power for relief. And they couldn't, they realized they couldn't turn to the higher power for relief. So internally, it's almost as if, the argument that Ibrahim was making was already made for them and they want to deflect from that 
and say, no, 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 you're not the one who's wrong. He's wrong for breaking the idols. Don't think like that. So what, what it's illustrating almost is something inside you tells you how misplaced your feelings are, but you want to cover them over by deflecting your anger and your rage towards somebody else. So, إِنَّهُ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Or إِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ The other side of this is, I don't care who it is, I don't care, and, and it's, they're all temple worshippers all together. It's not like they're having a debate among each other. So they're all in agreement with each other, right? And when you're in agreement with each other, you don't have to stress, like I said before. You don't have to place stresses on a sentence. So you can say, هُوَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ But you have, إِنَّهُ لَا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ As if to say, you, if any of you thinks that this is a small thing, or if any of you thinks we're going to let this off easy, let me debate with you, right? Let me have, let me raise my voice before anybody even raises the issue. Because we're going to go all the way, whatever it takes, to avenge our gods. This is the idea of what they call nowadays mob mentality. The mob is so angry that anybody who even tries to present a voice of reason is going to get, be treated, seen as a traitor. So everybody better display the same level of anger and join our sentiment because not joining our sentiment is an affront to those gods. You see? So people's emotions have to get hijacked by certain more outspoken people. And so when they made this, you know, obviously when some, somebody, a group turns into a mob, then there's no more reasoning with them, right? And so inshallah ta'ala, I'll, uh, I'll share with you next time Ibrahim alayhi salam's reaction to what because now it's an angry mob, ready, bloodthirsty, super upset, and they're gonna come and somebody actually dropped his name. So I'll just leave you with that. They said, uh, there was a young young guy, this is a young kid, Fatan. Some young kid. We we heard of a young kid mentioning them, talking about them. What does that mean? He keeps talking about them. Remembrance, right? So we think of dhikr of Allah, right? And they're saying, this young man does dhikr of these idols. <laughs> what does that mean? He's not remembering them in praise. He keeps bringing them up as how, how, how ridiculous they are. How they don't make any sense. He won't stop talking about them. He keeps reminding and remembering and reminding and remembering that this is a problem, this is a problem. So he doesn't just bring this up, bring this up once. He keeps on talking about it. And the present tense illustrates that. Not dhakarahum. So some scholars say it's referring to, oh, we heard somebody, him talking about them, meaning when he said, I'm going to make a scheme. But it can also be looked at as something more perpetual, like he keeps on bringing it up. There is this kid that we've heard about, and he comes here and he questions everybody about this, all the time. يُقَالُوا لَهُ Ibrahim. Ibrahim is what he's called. I believe his name is Ibrahim. <laughs> so now his name has been dropped. The only one who's ever spoken ill of the idols. His name has been dropped. And he knew, that he's not hiding. And he even said, I am a witness against all of you. Before they bring him in for witness, he made them witness. Right? And then he made his scheme. So now things are going to get really escalated, and he's going to be brought to trial in front of all of them. And he's going to have to answer for what he's done. Inshallah, we'll take this remarkable, remarkable adventure of Ibrahim salam to its next episode in next khutbah. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim. Wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaikum. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa'u. Salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi ladhina astafa'u. Khususan ala afdalihim wa khatamin nabiyyin. 
محمد للأمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موجودا